All right, so you already know it's official now. Uh, episode number seven. It's been a long time. Uh, One Nine Hundred Ice Cream was the last podcast that we did, right around when COVID started. So we're here at Supreme Coffee Roasters with the main man Stefan, and wow, is a, trying to set this microphone up after after moving from house to house. The microphone we're using now is destroyed. Brand new Yeti Blue. This is the top of it's all destroyed. Somehow it's paint on it. We're using one set of headphones, one mic placed up. We got some coffee, a uh, little iced coffee going. Um, we got coffee, man. Yeah, we, got, we got coffee, roll. right? We're at a, we're That's at, all we need, man. I guess we're at a coffee shop, so we're good to do whatever. And uh, yeah, so you own Suprema Coffee Roasters. Uh, yes, I do. And it's kind of weird, still weird, to think about being an owner of anything. Since until yesterday, I was working for somebody all my life. And I had a lot of jobs working everywhere back in Europe, here. And uh, it's still kind of surreal thinking, oh, this, this thing is mine. You know, it's, it's all mine. Um, I think it takes time to hit you up and realize you got something built up and people are uh, re- really raving about it. Right, and I think one of the things that you just said, you have to let it catch up as a business owner, which I'm not, or anyone who's super busy, you have to kind of let it get to you, right, to actually let it hit you, because you're so busy doing all this. You opened up in COVID. When did you open up exactly? Yeah, so I opened February 22nd, just in for the party. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, just in time. And that process was kind of funny because many things happen to uh, eventually end up opening in February 22nd. It could have easily be uh, even bigger delay, which means hitting the COVID, which means maybe even a bigger delay. Um, so I'm kind of happy the way it play, played out. And I think the whole thing, even though it's uh, unfortunate, I think it played, played to, to, to my hand. A lot of things that happen around when it comes to competition, coffee shops around, uh, being closed. I'm the only one opened. I got the, the opportunity to, uh, to get all the people in and uh, um, get on my side. And now we are about six, seven months uh, in and uh, a lot of these places are permanently closed. Talking about Starbucks one block down, permanently closed. Uh, that's plenty. a win. That's, that, a, that's, that's a win. yeah. I don't even consider them as my uh, competition since they don't really sell coffee. They sell sugar with uh, coffee. And then you have Plenty Cafe, European coffee shop uh, block on the other side, also permanently closed. And now we have uh, Rower Brothers. It's a local chain grocery. Uh, they're just blocked down and uh, they're still not opening. They're closed right. and they put a paper up. So it looks like that from four coffee shops within my block, we're down to one, and that's Supremo. Right, and uh, so like you said, when this started, uh, with I've seen with a lot of places that I go to, anything that was grab and go seemed to kind of strive, even though up until now. So coffee, you're just grabbing and going, and you had it in a way where you know, one person can come in with a time, you know, with a mask on, or whatever it may have been, but it was always takeout and to go. So like you said, when those places shut down and you were here ready to roll, um, it kind of worked in, in your way to be like, yo, I'm right here, and it's right in the center, right, right in the center city, right off Broad Absolutely, Street. and uh, the, the concept of the shop, I don't know if people will uh, go and uh, look at the website, supremorosary.com, or on the Google Maps, Yelp, see the pictures. So the whole idea when opening the shop in grocery is to be uh, efficient, small place, and the concept is to cater to people that tend to grab and go as 85% of people do exactly that. And this, this amount of people that take coffee and sit down and um, sit on their laptop for an hour or two, you don't make money out of these people. So when getting this whole concept, I didn't really create anything around 
tables and chairs and people that sit down. Uh, I everything I designed was for people to come in, grab and go, which came to be a very a good, uh, you know, useful concept when it comes to COVID era, because it was already built for such a thing, just grab and go. People felt comfortable doing so, um, and uh, they were definitely coming the whole this period. I was closed only for one day, which was exactly a month after I opened. So I opened February 22nd. First shutdown was March 22nd. Uh, and that's only for one day that I needed to realize that I'm essential. And, uh, and in many ways, people later told me that I am essential to, to their life at that moment. Because that's the only thing they could really count on. Waking up, going to Suprema, getting coffee and starting their day. So uh, for that day, being shut down, um, realizing to, to be essential and rolling through the whole this time and without stopping. And while everyone was closed up, I want to I want to revisit that for people who aren't familiar with Philly. Like we're right in the center of things, so the foot traffic around here is perfect. The location is perfect, and the timing seemed to have worked out just right, like you said, at, which is which is kind of hard to say. Yeah, right? which is weird to say, but for you, it worked out perfectly fine. You yeah. know what I mean, and. Um, yeah, it's crazy because we're in like a little central coffee hub right here. Elixir, like mm. you said, Rival Bros, Ultimo. We Club, have so many around, yeah. Peddler right over there. There's everything. And, and I don't know. This has become, uh, and this is from, from someone who's, who's sat hours and hours inside Peddler. You know what I mean? Because I like the inside. Mm -hmm. um, you come in here. Obviously, you're not supposed to sit in or come in, but if you have to come in and get a bag of coffee or something, or come in one person at a time, whatever it is, I want to sit in here. You were, talking <laughs> about, you were talking about your design to grab and go and to not have it like a sit-in place, but uh -huh. when you come in here, it's super sleek, but also super relaxing, and the chairs outside, although there's four chairs, uh -huh. I, I don't know, this, this is the place to be. You get the people watch, you get the, you know what I mean? Yeah. People know um, it's in and out. Like, absolutely. So even though it's a mostly cater to people grabbing the coffee and going. We do have like a bar um, on two walls with stools um, that are coming back right now slowly. Um, so you can sit down, uh, absolutely, but it's not catered, it's not designed for those people. Um, and that concept just happened to work in this time and place we are at. Um, but I feel that when it comes to interior and design, uh, again, the concepts I wanted to make it uh, to be a bit aesthetically a bit different. Um, I really was inspired by by Japanese and Asian culture, uh, their con contemporary style, and I wanted to uh, build such a interior where nothing that needs to be inside shouldn't be inside. Which means that there is nothing really when you look around. There's nothing to grab your attention. There's no T-shirts on the wall. There's no some items there hippie style just standing there and so you stare at them so everything's cleaned up and I think subconsciously uh, being such a free and clean space you feel comfortable right also the colors and materials used um, I intentionally picked as you can see uh, just sitting here uh, they're all natural so you have brick wall you have wood you have a uh, cement wall you have uh, like a ceramic uh, like a cement flooring you have iron um, so it's all earthy elements, and that I think makes you feel more kind of uh, uh, like in nature, right. in one way. And the way the sun hits it, the lighting in here is oh, yeah, phenomenal right. because of I think because of the colors and everything that's uh, going on in here. Naturally lights up, and you naturally tend to like it. Right, sure. Um, so now we're seven months in. Before we dive into the coffee, you do pastries too. I don't want to run too far away uh -huh. from that. 
they, they sell out pretty fast, right? We talk about yeah. it from time to time. Well, where the pastry smell? Uh, the pastry comes from a French bakery, Au Fournil. Uh, they are a local bakery shop. They do they cater mostly to a commercial uh, business to, to businesses, um, and uh, they deliver to the airport in different coffee shops. So they're pretty big, pretty big and uh, pretty. Uh, tasty as they're not they don't tend to be like strictly American very sweet uh, very in your face when it comes to flavor they're very distinct they're very kind of uh, delicate right and I think that what people kind of tend to like especially in pairing yeah I think especially in pairing with coffee you want those different flavors to to not really be empowering sure um, yeah so now we're getting into the good part I'm just checking on this real quick it's looking to be good, actually. A quick intermission from this conversation so far. This is this is actually working out pretty good. I might one mic everyone. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it might be working yeah. for that. <laughs> no, the way it will work for here. But um, so what do you got? Um, I was counting how many how many copies we have on the wall so far. Uh, how many bags? How many different bags? We get we got we have. So I do have some staple coffees, and this is the also the concept that I I wanted to to have where I have my staple coffees. That's what I use for my drip coffee different for, for espresso based drinks uh, cold brew nitro that I have uh, but also I, I like to feature coffee in pour over station which is currently unavailable because of the whole pandemic uh, pour over is more experience not only a, a drink so it was out there with a, with a customer and they could watch me pouring over and making coffee now not being able to do so I stopped offering pour over but the idea is to have pour over and you can choose any bean from five different countries at that moment, whatever the, those countries might be. And then also you could get those coffee, that, that coffee in the coffee bags. So currently I don't do pour overs, but I do have coffee bags. So next to staples like uh, my Brazil Mugiano, which is legendary when it comes to drip coffee. Um, I do have organic and there's uh, honey washed, uh, great tasting coffee that I do for my espresso. Uh, I do Supreme Crema, that's a blend between Brazil and Ethiopia. It's a really complex cup. I used to use that for my espresso based drinks, but uh, currently the organic Honduras that I just mentioned kind of uh, took the trophy. And also one of the, the last uh, staples would be Ethiopia Riga Chef, again premium coffee. And then I have other ones, currently Mexico Chiapas, I do have some Colombian in the back. Uh, so I get two, three different beans that I have for a week or two weeks, and I just rotate. And those can be coffees from Central America, from Africa, so from all over the world, uh, different beans just rotating and, and making it interesting for people. Right, so we have those staples in those one or two other bags that may be in for one or two weeks that are constantly rotating. Yeah, they rotate, and uh, I find that people, especially around here, uh, you know, you want to engage with people, you want to make it interesting. They like to come in, try different coffees. So yeah, staples are good, and I, I try to, to pick the best uh, out of them and keep them as my staple. That's how I came with uh, came up with Honduras. Um, but people do like it to switch switch it up a little bit, and having a different coffee every two weeks kind of helps. Right. So when they see something new, they get excited, grab a coffee, grab a bag. And it opens up conversation, just yeah. like us. We harass you. Exactly. Like, you know, what's this? What's that? What's this about? Exactly. And people that want to get a bag they tend to like to talk about it so it kind of closes the circle um before we talk about the roasting and like the flavors and all that i want to talk about before we run away from like the interior design of this place uh -huh. that we we're talking about like pre-show what's also catching is the bags 
and even so much so like going to the to the cups. I remember we were talking about the yeah, yeah, cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just sleek, and I don't know. It just goes with everything. It's like when I bring everyone here, I was like, "Oh, this is just attention to detail yep. with everything in the shop." And I don't know what did I mess up the other day when I was talking about that brown bag. What did I say? It was it biodegradable, but I said the inside. Oh uh, yeah, or yeah. Like that. It was like, but, but inside was aluminium, so it was not. Right. So if you ever come in here, you get the new bag, and that's the uh, that Honduras single origin, right? The honey yeah. wash. Yeah. That's the good bag. That's they're all good bags, yeah. but if you come in here, you'll see that it's very very in your but not in your face but it's very I don't know it's just very sharp these bags. It, you can see so uh, that honey washed um, Honduras was one of the rotation coffees that I had only for two weeks but because it just came in and I really liked it uh, it became my staple and it replaced supreme crema as my espresso based uh, uh, drink coffee and uh, I liked it so much that I wanted to have dedicated bag for it. Okay, so this being is what the story organic, was. Being okay. honey washed, being special. So uh, the company that I was getting my bags from, uh, I knew they have a different color of the same uh, bag type. So I used to have only black and white. And they had a third choice, which is brown. And now it came to me like, hey, this is kind of cool having for this one special coffee, being organic, right? So you have sure. a brown bag. And uh, that's now how, how we have our lineup of, of different right. different bags. And that just adds to it too. I never even really realized just looking at them because when I come in, I just grab, I uh -huh. ask you, yo, what's good? Yeah, yeah. And then it's always going to be the Honduras now. That, that, yeah. that espresso shot by itself, remember I have to send yeah, you yeah. messages that dances on your tongue. Dude. I, was like, yeah, I think that there's something to it when it comes to honey process. It gives a sweetness that finish the bright spot without being acidic, without being uh, fruity like Ethiopia. Ethiopia is considered premium because of that, but I honestly, you know, even though I like coffee, um, I am not much into that premium uh, acidic berry tea like coffees. Uh, I like more darker chocolatey or something more sweet, uh, smooth or even sweet. And uh, organic and honey washed is exactly that. It's very smooth and sweet at the end, right. and it really hits it. Yep, it's like a fine wine. Of coffee. Exactly. That's really yeah. a special because I remember when we you first had it, you're like, oh, I switched this up to espresso. It's like, oh, it's like, am I gonna know? It's like honey watch. It's like maybe you know, but like you, someone yeah, super yeah, yeah. super experienced, you know what I mean? In this, and I was like, oh, let me try. So I tried it, and it's just it's an explosion. It's, it's you can yeah. tell. You can really tell. It's fantastic. And just in, in like in wine, <clears throat> you have people that prefer one, but others hate that type of wine. So you have people liking one and not preferring the other one. So it does end up um, to a personal preference and taste, uh, uh, taste. but <clears throat> that's why I have different coffees. So you have Brazil Mogiana, which is darker, chocolatey. Uh, then you have Organic Honduras Honey Wars, which is, like I said, smooth and sweet at the end. You got Ethiopia, which is very bright, very fruity, acidic. So you have something for everybody. So whoever comes in and wants to grab a, a bag of coffee, they just talking to me they can grab something they really like and, and be happy with all right so we're talking about all these coffees a lot of people get their stuff in the grocery store don't know rose uh, date don't know anything about there's that. a they reason just, yeah there's they, a reason why they don't feature rose dates <laughs> they do they get they come in get it don't even think of that because uh so the reason i came in to get coffee on whatever day it was because mm -hmm. anytime we have a visitor we bring him here but the night before that it was like i have no coffee 
He's not a target when I grab um, coffee. I look at this shit, I'm like, what the fuck is this caramel shit? You what know what I mean? Seen, yeah. yeah, and I was like, this is crazy. I was like, no, you can't be doing this. So I was like, oh, Felicia's coming tomorrow. We're going to go to Suprema, and then we'll get bags like we normally do. And um, so what's special is you roast in-house, yep. obviously. This is no BS. Like, this is no, I don't know how. how yeah, like, you can actually see the roaster behind sure, me. You so can see the roaster. There's yeah. no lie about it. Um, um, so we're roasting in-house. What can you tell us about that machine? Hmm. Isn't that not the first thing I ever said when I came in here? I'm like, whoa, I don't know much about machines. But it looks good, right? Looks, like, looks like a sexy awesome. machine, right? Yeah, that looks gorgeous. Um, it's a cool little machine. So roasters come, come pretty much in different sizes. And uh, this is a two and a half pound uh, roaster that might be considered as even almost a, a home roaster or a sample roaster for commercial setup. So it's uh, by average standard, it's a very small one, uh, which gives me a uh, some benefits and, and drawbacks. The drawback is definitely I have to roast a lot to meet the demand, and the demand is really growing, which is very good. Uh, but the, the the benefit is that you have fresh coffee nonstop. So even if I, if I want to, I can't roast you know huge amount of coffee that will sit there and then eventually be sold. So you can expect coffee that you find in bags and you will definitely find a roasting date on the bottom of the bag. Uh, you'll see that it might be just a few days, if not that day. Two days, uh, the oldest I've ever two seen. Two days, a day, That's you know. Oldest. Yeah. Um, and be, mind, be mindful of the whole process. Uh, it does take for a certain amount of time for uh, CO2 to, to leave the beans. That, that's called degassing. So even if you see a coffee that is like three, four, five days old, that's still a coffee that is only going to get better. So you really have the top that depending on the bean, from day second or third until day twentieth is where you have the the, the development keep uh, happening. So coffee can actually get better from day seven to day twelve. Um, so uh, anything within with that range, it's, it's okay. Where when you go to a, a market and you try to buy a coffee there, first you're not gonna see a roasting date, and there's a reason why. Second, uh, they'll give you just a, a, a best buy sure. one year down. And the reason why they're doing that is the roasting process and then transportation and then storage distribution takes so much time that the coffee you get in, in the stores, uh, they're six months old and that's stale. Coffee is like bread. It breeds, it, it change, changes. Whoever worked in coffee or had a, a special machine knows how they have to re-grind, readjust the grinder, and that's because the coffee is changing. Um, so it's like a, almost like a living bean, and uh, that's why uh, you have to consume it where it's fresh, and that means two, three weeks since roasting. You alluded to the process. Every time I come in here, fresh beans, labeled, written on, I got these beans, these beans, and they're green. Mm -hmm. Some people, I never knew a coffee bean was those, were those colors until I went to Guatemala. We go to Guatemala every year. Yeah, I don't mean. And the uh, Cafe Loco, I think some of them probably the sweetest people we've ever met. Um, fantastic coffee shop, half the size in the hood of Guatemala in Panajachel. I'm watching a video. I'm like, oh, they're like getting grapes or whatever. Why are they putting on a uh -huh. video like yeah. getting grapes or something in this coffee shop? And our like adopted aunts, like, yo, it's coffee beans. I was like, oh, no way. So it was like a couple years ago, you know what I mean? So like, I've come a long way until now. 
And then I always came in. I was like, yo, all right, now I finally get to see that in person. So you have the beans here. If you want to talk about the process, and then you start talking yeah. about degassing and this and that, you should really go into it. Cause yeah, yeah, let's, let's start from the beginning. So many people, myself included, even after starting to uh, be into coffee, I mean, more than an average person, um, I didn't know where the bean, beans come from. I don't know how they grow. I, I never got to know. And then I realized it's from cherry. Um, so the very beginnings are uh, a cherry and that's how uh, it comes uh, the first uh, um, step when it comes to processing. Uh, when the cherry is, is fully developed and ready to go, it's being picked. Um, and then uh, we have two main uh, uh, different ways of processing coffee uh, from that point and that's natural or, or washed. Natural and it makes sense, uh, it, on the, cherry, the cherry is being uh, placed on a big patio and it's uh, let to be dried by sun uh, for a week or two weeks and basically uh, it rottens out the meat of the cherry out of the bean. Uh, that process has some advantages, for example that bacteria uh, that grows and destroys the, the cherry meat will impact the flavor uh, of course in a positive way even though it's bacterial. Uh, but it will even uh, taste a bit more natural, those coffees tend to be more uh, berry-like or tea-like um, if you're into that. Um, and, but that process does takes, take a lot of time. Second process is taking the, the cherry, putting it in a big drum, washing it and stripping the meat out of the bean that way. That's obviously a very fast way to do it. Uh, and another benefit from that process is it's, it's consistent. Where when you have a, a, a sun dry, the beans might come inconsistent depending how they were placed on the patio. So, and there's a third way and that's what organic honeywash honey comes, comes to. And that's washed in honey. And that gives, you can guess, being a, a different element um, when it comes to taste. So from that point, uh, the coffee is being distributed and then roasted. And now we are into the roasting process where when you get the bean, depending on that, where that bean was grown and what kind of bean it is, you can make a, a, a judgment of what do you want to do with that bean. So I use uh, my importer, my importer being a big company, they have a lab they use to check the beans prior buying because when they buy they buy a whole farm we're talking millions of dollars so I, i'm obviously not, not a lab guy but i will use their information to judge um, how the bean will perform in a, in a different roasting levels um, and i think that makes me different from other roasters and i say that because i see people using ethiopia and roasting it to dark right, to roasts. starbucks your favorite so <laughs> well the starbucks i don't know what, what bean they use honestly but I, other specialty coffee shops uh, can use ethiopia being you know expensive and premium thinking okay we're gonna have a good taste but then they roast it dark in a, in a dark levels which does not make sense because ethiopia like we mentioned it's acidic it's bright it's floral whatever it's so so bright you don't want to take it to dark to dark sure. right you yeah. want to leave it to a lighter levels to expose uh, that uh, berry-like taste, that what's all that's about. What that's for, yeah, yeah, it's right, for. Right. So when I see them doing that, I see that they actually don't know what they're doing. So I can you know try and have different beans roasted in different levels, which I was used to do, to see what how they perform in a medium light, medium dark uh, levels. Uh, but I tend to really use that lab information, uh, their tasting notes, and determine uh, theor theoretically where that bean will perform best and so far uh, 
practically it was pretty much on, on the spot. And how are you getting that trial and error through paperwork? Are you so getting paperwork? I, like I said, you can do trial and error, but I found that you don't have to. If the theory that I use to guide myself really works. So technically I can guess almost within the five degree uh, where I, I will roast that bean and where that bean will perform. And then I might double check and go maybe 20 degrees up and down, which means you know different sure. roasting levels to see is there any changes and if it's better. And usually it's not. Usually I hit the the, the, the point. Nail, yeah, the nail. So you so the five degrees mm -hmm. is not going to throw much of a difference. The, the five will not. The one sure. will. Yeah. Okay. So, so you can get it into like a, a, a within nice five. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I can even fine tune within two three degrees, which you don't really have to do. Let's be honest. Yes, if you do follow YouTube. Uh, youtubers and if you follow what they're talking about you know it's, it's so hilarious for me to watch how much how they are trying to p portray themselves as, as you know knowledgeable by going through our crazy de details where one degree will go from this taste uh, you know notes to this taste notes which is all bs coffee is not that complex um so five degrees up and down it will not change the whole uh, much of the flavoring but going through roast levels, and that's pretty much 20 degrees, uh, will make a difference between medium light, medium, medium dark, dark roast. And I think some people don't even know what that means. So when first thing, one of the first things everyone does that I bring in here, go over and look at that map mm -hmm. and read the roast map. Like, yeah, never knew this. Yeah. Okay. So they never knew it's a green bean, green bean. You want to go through the roast because I feel like when people, especially around now, the extra mocha, pumpkin, uh -huh. medium light roast do they know what that means or uh, you could explain to the people what they're actually ordering when they want a dark roast a medium yes roast well let's first kill the first myth uh, the darker the stronger uh, that's totally opposite and uh, one way that I it's easy for me to explain to people why is that, is that so let's say you have a very expensive nice steak that has a certain uh, you know grams of protein in, in it right so take that steak uh, and let's say you cook it for like five hours. You make a charcoal out of that meat, right? How many grams of protein you have? Zero. Zero. So you lose. So you can, and that's the point. You lose by uh, burning material off, roasting. You don't gain. Well, that's a good way to put it. You're burning, you're you're burning, burning the meat. That's exactly right, what you do. Sure. Well, it, it goes from green to black. Right. What, what's happening there? Yeah. So, so here's a trivia question. Where, in what stage does coffee have the most caffeine? When it's green, beginning, yeah. when it's green, yeah. exactly, and that's the point. So, that being said, the darker the roast, the weaker the coffee, the less caffeine. So, if you want a really caffeine kick, you want to go with a light roast. Luckily, at Suprema Coffee, all coffees are roasted between medium, medium light and medium dark. That's where the, the taste is, and that's where the coffee caffeine is. Um, so, it's a good balance between the strength and the aroma and flavor and taste. Uh, going back from the beginning, so the stages are, there are three main stages of the roasting process. You have drying phase, you have development phase, and the finishing phase. Um, obviously drying is where uh, the most of the time period goes, goes on to. Um, it's about 50-60% of the time, and that's where the bean goes from green to yellow. And when it hits the yellow notes, yellow color, that's where uh, the bean actually starts to develop. Uh, then we are hitting the development stage and there are three periods that can be in a different ratio uh, on YouTube. People that did roasting uh, at some certain point of time, they know this should be, should be 5, 3, 2 or whatever it is. But in fact, there is no rule. 
um, that's kind of more uh, of a BS, U to BS than uh, truth. Um, so we got development phase and then we have the finishing where we have the first crack. Um, that's where the coffee actually starts being drinkable or ready to be, to be brewed. And the first crack, uh, the we're first talking crack, about where yeah. you can notice the first crack in the beans. So, and that's very easy to recognize. It's a literally a first crack. So the coffee will sound like a popcorn popping. Uh, very easy to, to hear. And that will happen in a different um, temperature levels, depending on the bean. So one coffee may crack at 370, another at 360. The Brazilian Magiano cracks at 388. Um, and it also depends on the roaster you're using. But the point is, it's, it's a different temperature. And that's why, what the light roast is. When you first crack, you can start the roasting process right there and you'll have a light roast. Um, but I think that's too early. It's still undeveloped. It, it, it's full potential. Um, so let's say I'm doing Ethiopia, which is a medium light, obviously very light coffee. Um, I will go past that maybe 15 degrees and stop. So that's where you hit the medium light uh, kind of roasting level. And for Ethiopia, I think that's beneficial because we are, like we mentioned, it's acidic, bright floral, so we're gonna keep those notes. For Brazil Magiana, uh, being chocolatey, nutty, I want to go a little bit darker to get those notes more. So I'll go beyond 400 for Brazil. Plus, Brazil cracking later in stage, you'll have those bigger numbers. Um, so that's that's how I determine based on what, what the, the lab says about the coffee, coffee bean. I can kind of de determine the, the roasting levels and the temperatures. All right, so before we started this, we were like, what did we say? We said something wrong. He's like, there's no secrets, it's simple. So you have all this, and like one of the first things I recognized when we came in here is all like how scientific this is down to a T, you know what I mean? But like when the way you explain it, it's like, no, it's just simply just do it like this, do it like that. What makes a good coffee? Why? Are, what, is it the roasting? Is no. it the origin of the bean? Is it like, is it putting like the proper, like anything? Good, the proper good question. Money, you know what I good mean? Good question, and uh, I can definitely give you a very easy answer. Uh, good coffee in, good coffee out. That's a, uh, it makes sense. It's a simple rule. That means good coffee bean uh, in, and, and you can roast it pretty much any way you want it uh, within some, you know, uh, being mindful of what the bean is, and you'll get a good coffee. So, Knowledge, I think knowledge comes comes down to just that logistics or the theory that I'm using to guide myself uh, to know where to roast to, till. Um, so that's the know-how. But sourcing good quality coffee bean is the most important part. Okay. And when you watch YouTube videos about roasting and uh, about the process, you'll see that 90% of the time they're talking about the roasting process. And they're going into such a details. And which I think it's totally wrong. I think... Uh, the roasting process is very simple. It's rather easy to, to learn. Uh, but I think the most most uh, uh, important part is sourcing the right bean and knowing where to stop or until what temperature to go with that particular bean. Doing the right roast with the right yeah, bean. Yeah, yep. so it's very easy. That whole process is easy, but just you have to make a right decision. Sure. Okay, so we're... <clears throat> I don't know how far we're in. we got away from it, but I want to bring up something too that we mentioned before is, and it'll go perfect with this because you're super knowledgeable, super well-versed in all this, you know what I mean? You mentioned YouTube a lot. A lot of people might want to, don't know where to start. They might uh -huh. be watching these YouTube but videos. But that's me. Right, that's so tell us a little bit yeah. about how you started. So, 
um, everything YouTube, everything. I mean, YouTube is 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 great place really to to learn and get many much of the information. But you have to realize the nature of human beings. We want to portray portray ourselves as knowledgeable, as uh, you know. Maybe we are selling something, selling machines. So we want to make it ourselves look like we know a lot. And one way to do it is make think make a simple thing complicated, and then you try to be a hero and explain it. So you have to realize that. And with that being said, yeah, you are more than welcome to watch YouTube videos, but then use your common sense and try to apply and be practical with that knowledge. And you'll see that maybe it's not that complicated. So I started that way. I, I watched a bunch of videos, hundreds of hours of, of, of people roasting coffee. And then when I started eventually roasting myself, I got to learn what's true, what's not, where, what's, what has, a, you know, where's the, the common sense in that. Um, and then it comes down to, like, like I said, not a hard thing to do. It's all about picking the right bean and doing the right thing with that bean. How you really do it, it's not that complicated. Sure. So what was it in your in your home oven? Because I worked with yeah. someone. I worked with someone who's like, yeah, I roast my own beans. I was like, oh sweet, like, Absolutely. where's the machine at? He's like, no, you just put it in the oven and do yeah. it in the oven. Such a basic thing. Uh, so my whole uh, let's do the short story about how I came to that point. So I worked in a hotel, and the my favorite part of the day was driving to Wawa because you know in Wawa you have the station where you make your coffee. So I, I enjoyed prepping my own coffee also, um, besides drinking it. So years down, I finally decided for a Black Friday to get myself a espresso coffee machine. I did that a few years. I was happy to wake up with a big smile on my face just to make myself a latte. And then the next step was ordering green beans from Amazon. And uh, I learned one of the videos. I think it was Sweet Maria website that you can actually um, roast your coffee in, a, in an oven, which I did very basic and probably was not, not perfect. I didn't have a know-how. But I knew about the first crack, and maybe two minutes after the first crack is that medium level. Right. Maybe that's that's a good thing. So uh, it, it was a bunch of maybe, but at the end of that first batch, uh, when I tried that coffee, that was the best coffee I ever had in my life. So there you go. So you instantly notice the difference. You're like, whoa! Absolutely. I just did this by myself. Absolutely, and, and uh, so I didn't know what I'm doing. I didn't have equipment. I don't call an oven equipment. And I still did better than, than most coffee shops uh, having their offering. So what I'm trying to say is, it is not complicated. You just need to, to get it right. Um, so, and at that point I decided to not only be in business with coffee, but also open a coffee shop and uh, having a roaster was part of the concept. I wanted to offer people fresh coffee to see how different coffee can actually be comparing to what you are um, you know, accustomed to when it comes to state, um, Starbucks or maybe Dunkin' Donuts or even Wawa. Sure. Wow. Yeah, that, I didn't even know that story because I was trying to do the math. This seemed like a fast a fast thing, right? So we started it around like five years ago, you said? Yeah, it's uh, when you see, uh, if you look the whole concept in the shop and the feedback I'm getting, it seems like there's years and years and years behind it. Sure. Well, that's uh, what I thought. That's yeah. why I wanted to know because like, I had to type in these bios for like notes. Uh -huh. When I like put the episode up, and you're like, yeah, I've been roasting like five years, yeah. five years, it, it like seems thirty like years of knowledge. Exactly, yeah. Um, well, when you dedicate about something and you were really, you are really passionate. Uh, this is not my business decision. This is a, a more of a, a decision 
made from passion in a way. Um, working in a hotel, I knew that I don't want to be nine to five kind of guy. I was, I'm scared uh, of a thought uh, being 50 and working for somebody. So I, I knew that I wanted to venture out. And then I also know that more than 70% of people are doing the jobs they don't like and they don't enjoy it. So also, I didn't want to be one of those. So what to do? Open your own business and do what you actually like to do. And what I did like to do is, is prepping coffee, making coffee, and drinking it. Right. So I ended up doing just that, opening a business for myself, working for myself, and doing what I like. Um, so we met, we mentioned the uh, we mentioned the working in the hotel uh-huh. and your favorite time going to grab the coffee or even at Wawa preparing the coffee. Was there like a certain pivotal moment on top of those things that you just said? Um, not working for someone like you need to go and do your dream and what you love you know what I mean mm-hmm. is there a moment where you're like alright now I'm done with this I gotta do this now is there one specific moment or you just were always like trying to work toward it and then you realize you're like oh I really love coffee uh-huh. um, or was it like you know so- something happened and you're like no, alright well I'm done I'm going to do my thing right now it, it's definitely a process right? so I wish to say it's, it's a click in, in one day but it's a long process and you slowly realize um, where are you headed and what you want to do uh, so it was not an overnight thing and definitely the development development of the whole concept was not you know like a thing that came like a month or a year even it, it's really a five six years of thinking about it working on it um, I remember back in the place I was living at I had a big whiteboard um, where I was putting all the information all the pictures that I found online uh, that inspired me for something um, as a inspiration board and that took literally years uh, to come to this point. So it, it's definitely not overnight thing. Uh, but at some point, I def- definitely realized, all right, doing what you like to do for yourself is the way to go. And then you just have to create a concept that works for you. You said recently you just had an interview. Where you just we're doing a Zoom uh-huh. for like a, for like a, a blogger into for publications and whatnot. We just had photographers in here and all that. This place is about to be extra, extra busy now, right? You would think so. Business is picking up. It's right? picking up, and uh, the feedback is amazing. The, the reviews, and um, it's to that point that I kind of at, at first, first two, three months, I thought that maybe every new business goes through this phase where people are just being nice, supportive. They all want to kind of prop you up, but then that kept going and going and going. I got so many business cards of people wanting to partner up. Hey, I always wanted to be. In a coffee world business maybe you can open up together a coffee shop here or there hey i have uh, access to our shopping malls we can you know open shops there so i have so many people bringing me their business cards wanting to partner up and that's how i realized even though this is just a coffee shop when you think about it it's it's 30 40 50 years old uh, um, kind of business even older but as, as a popular place it's pretty old business and you have it in every block but somehow my concept uh, stands out for some reason. And I'm still trying to figure out why, but it's incredible seeing the feedback of people wanting to just be a part of it. So now I have Insta- Instagram uh, is about to get live, and I have somebody working on it. Uh, people are interested in having interviews, partnering up. I have a, a mobile ordering app that wanted to partner up, and we are doing something together to bring uh, uh, easy online ordering. And your people. online ordering, it's very easy. That's how I used to do it. Yeah, that's one way to do right. it on, on the website, on our website. But soon you'll have actually an app. Um, it's going to be even easier to get to get in line for that. 
Um, so many people are just uh, uh, approaching the shop and, and trying to partner up in one way or the other. Which for me, it's again very weird because this is just a coffee shop in a way. Right. There are so many of them here being for years, you know, like a mom and pop shop. Right. And they're not moving anywhere. They're the same where they've been when they opened. And think this is happening all during COVID where we can't even come in and sit down. And that's all during COVID. Right. Which is a special thing to note. Uh, you know, things, opportunities are obviously less than before. People are, you know, moving less. And still, there's a lot of action around. And that's crazy. All right. Partnerships. You said no secrets. Uh-huh. Is there already Suprema number two coming? Oh, so I remember like yesterday, uh, again, I, I mentioned in the beginning that I could have easily not opened at February 22nd. Sure. So it was uh, uh, some circumstances that led to it. Um, and uh, I really was afraid opening and realizing I might, maybe I'm not going to be able to pay the rent, pay the bills. So I was really looking to at least pay the rent and bills for the shop and my own home rent and I'll be happy. I opened first week or two weeks I already noticed uh, and I saw that I'll be well you know above that mm-hmm. and that's first you know few weeks and that's where people don't know you yet. Uh, now we are six seven eight months how, how long six months uh, later shop is doing way 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 more than that um, so obviously the numbers are suggesting that the second shop will come sooner than later. So I'm already planning, uh, obviously that the broad concept is there. Um, and I want to bring to Philly, not only a coffee, good quality coffee that will never change the, its quality, no matter how, how, the, how much the coffee shop grows. Um, and keep in mind that being bigger, like our brothers, Wakalong and Starbucks, incentive to cut is huge you do just a little bit cheaper bean and you save a lot of money so i i can create a concept where I, that's not necessary being very efficient uh will be enough uh to save and not cut on coffee quality so not only that i want to offer best best possible coffee but i also wanted to offer people experience that's what you don't really have in coffee shops especially not in mom and pop shops you go inside you see the menu get, get coffee probably not that good one and you're out. Uh, Starbucks, same concept. Maybe sometimes in some cities you'll find hippie coffee shops that will give you some kind of experience, like Elixir. You get some you know, environment going on, you got some pictures on the wall, kind of cool thing. But that's getting old, that's 80s. We are talking 80s style. Hippie shirts, you know, some plants all over the place. What I want to do is something different, a third wave of coffee shops, something modern, uh, minimalistic and uh, something uh, that you experience not only uh, through tasting coffee but also visually like you mentioned when you talked about the interior you feel good right and it's like walking into a spaceship you yeah walk in and like TV sunk in the wall the chargers you just put them on all the, the, ca- detail, on the counters all the small it's details. very little things it's like it's the shelf that the coffee's on you can't even tell it's a shelf it just looks like boxes it's and the coffee yeah. sticks out 3D you know what yeah. I mean I'm looking at it right now from this if you look on it straight on it just looks like it's coming out of the, out of the wall I don't know it's crazy but that's yeah, exactly like, what I'm talking about so create experience sure. a feel yep. so not only you get coffee that you wanted but you get something out of it you get experience you get some kind of feelings thoughts uh, aesthetics maybe hit you in, in a positive way so for five dollars or so and um, not even 
or not even. It's different like, because this is this is something yeah. when I first noticed. Even the bags of coffee. I forget how many ounces they are or whatever. But standard standard twelve ounces. Is it yeah, okay? So when you come in here, I spend five fifty a day plus an extra shot. So whatever that math is for multiple coffee shops around here, which I love all of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And shout out, even you mentioned Elixir. They have that vibe going on. I like that vibe. It's mm-hmm. good, cool place. Uh, when you come in here, you're not overpaying for anything when you're getting the best quality. And I don't know. I just think the price is very fair here. When yeah. I first came here, I was like, oh, what the hell? What is this? Yeah. Like, it's super nice. Yeah. That's also a point. Not, not, not you know, making feel people being ripped off. Sure. So it, it's the... It's the whole thing. It's coffee. It's uh, aesthetics. It's the feeling, the feel good, uh, and being fair and getting what you're paying for. Uh, it's the whole thing. So having that whole concept in check, I think that's what makes my shop different than others. And just imagining that second location uh, being bigger now. Um, one of the reasons why this location is smaller is this is my first time in business. Uh, even though I have a business management background, uh, I never own a business. So I wanted to make sure that I start with the lowest possible uh, costs um, while doing business. So small space, I can run myself. I can uh, pay the least amount of rent, uh, bills. Uh, and then you can scale up from there when you see what you're dealing with. Um, so obviously next location will definitely be bigger and you know even better done. I have so many ideas. Uh, it will be somewhere in Center City or University City where people, where there's a high traffic of people that will, um, you know, get a glance of the shop from the outside, uh, being drawn into it by aesthetics, uh, wanting to feel that experience, and then tasting the coffee will be that finishing right. you know, aspect. The finishing so you see the whole thing. You got good coffee, you didn't overpay, you got experience, you want to do an Instagram photo, shout out, you want to <laughs> tell your friends, hey, I've been to this awesome coffee shop, and it's right here. So giving that to people, I think for five bucks, worth it. You or know. a lot less. Yeah, or less. Some restaurants do that. Right. But that meal is gonna cost you a hundred bucks. Sure. And that's not an easy decision to make right. every day. Of course. But Especially five now. Bucks, Especially, Especially now, yeah. yeah. But five bucks, oh, you can gamble, take a risk, and then get surprised. Right. So what else are we coming in here when we get for five bucks? Doesn't necessarily have to be for five uh-huh. bucks because I for the first time just had the cold brew, uh-huh. and you gave it to me on ice. Fantastic. Yeah. So we have cold brew, your espresso. So because there's a lot of the other things here that because. Because you're not a tea guy, maybe you won't uh-huh. talk about it. Fantastic teas. Mm, mm. Alyssa loves the matcha here. Awesome. Yeah. There's an love. interesting story behind that. The matcha? So, yeah. So I'm not a tea guy, obviously. And I hate matcha. And I still hate it. You know. Uh, but some people like it. And it's one of my best-selling drinks. Uh, so it's very popular. And of course, I didn't want to grab uh, you know, the over-the-shelf matcha tea and just sell that to people. I wanted to have the best matcha. like everything. So I, uh, I actually create my own blend. I am mixing the matcha myself. And how do you do that when you actually don't drink it? How do you know you have a good, good blend, uh, uh, good ingredients? Um, so I had a bunch of my friends come over before I opened the shop. And I had different blends, different ratios, different things going on. They were tasting every in each one. And then we landed on this, this uh, particular mix uh, that picked up you know, so much you know, positive feedback from people. So it's interesting to know that, you know, even though I, I don't drink it myself, I don't like it, but I really wanted to have a good one. So I, I went, you know, an extra It's step. kind of strange, right? Yeah. You would think because you don't like it, it's not, it won't, it'll just be I'll give up right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so now so, it turns no, out to be the best. That's the, the whole idea behind the coffee shop, to 
have I wanted to offer the best whatever I do also my loose tea I'm not a matcha tea guy uh, but I want you know I, I don't want to go like Starbucks very lazy give you a, a baggie in a, in, a, in a cup and that's it no you actually order tea you wait for three four minutes to get tea brewed in your cup and it's a loose tea it's high quality tea, uh, so it's not only you know that something you can buy in, in the market man you're able to buy these to go or no so currently uh, they're only to to be brewed in the cup but very soon we already have packaging ready so uh, because of people really asking for it there will be um, tea bags like four ounce bags you can, sure. you can get a loose tea and you can prep it back home cool all right so i think uh like the main audience for here is really going to want to know especially me so i have i don't have an interest per se in roasting coffee we uh-huh. already said mentioned before the, one of the best things you do youtube or just ask professionals like someone like you you know what i mean um we got someone listening to this podcast whenever the day may be and they want to know where to start mm-hmm. what's the best way to start you just how you start it what do you recommend um not yeah, even to open can, a coffee shop i think um if, if you're really passionate about it you probably want to start from the basics like i did um because you should be curious and see if you know that's working out i know when i when i did that oven thing uh, even though it was not perfect, but not only I was impressed with coffee, but I really wanted to see, okay, how better it can go, how better it can be. So the next step was buying a small drum roaster. Very, I'm talking about a very small drum roaster. Basically, it's a, it's a drum with a small electrical motor, and you place that on, on the gas stove top. So you light the gas underneath, and then you have power there. So I did that, and that's like 35 bucks on Amazon. So that's one way to start. Get a small drum roaster. Uh, if you have a if you have a gas stove right there, if not, you can get the small gas things, uh, and you can roast it from there. And you can you know have see the coffee change the color, see you know the, you the first it. crack, yeah. second crack if you go to those dark levels, and uh, and you go from there. And you you see if that's drawing you and making you more curious how this can develop, which in my case it did. And uh, look at me now. I have a big roaster behind me. I have big catalyst Spaceship, of espresso, espresso machines. Machine. Yeah. No, you won't say anything about that thing. No, so, so things develop. So if you're interested in it, you'll find a way. But a good way to start is even the oven or grab a small drum roaster on Amazon. And a lot of trial and error. Because you, keep, yeah. you refer to a lot about your criteria, about what to do. You have, you have an itinerary. Of yeah. what to do with certain beans and whatnot. No. Did you get that through trial and error? Is Absolutely that a secret no. recipe? No, no. So that came later. Actually, that came maybe even recently when I started to really get. I, I think of myself an expert at this point when it comes to roasting because I'm able to, in theory, even though it sounds crazy, but in theory, I can, I, I can already see the bean performing on a certain level, um, which in practice I prove. So I know it's working. Um, but at the beginning, it, it was definitely not, not like that. So it was more trial and error. And the only advice I can give is write everything down. Uh, I, I have so many ways, so many instances when I did something, I have no idea what I did, and but I made changes <laughs> and it came out so good. I still remember one thing that I'm really sorry for. I was doing, uh, oh man. I did, uh, I had plenty of different kind of beans, right? So I'm, I'm testing for the coffee shop. So I'm trying to source different beans and see what will I feature at the beginning. So I know I had Costa Rica, I had Burundi, and I had one more. So I have three, I think it was, uh, I don't know, three different coffees. 
and individually they did not perform that special so I, I would not call them special and then I just uh, took all three uh, leftovers or a little pile of leftovers and, it, and I did cold brew with them um, and the next day when I when I had that cold brew it, it, it made me want a second cup so immediately I had to go and grab another cup it was so good so the combination sometimes with different coffee beans will yield an incredible tasting Results, profile yeah. so individually those coffees were not good uh, together and usually I don't do uh, three-way blend but because this was a little, literally a leftover and I was not planning to do anything with them I just throw them together which this is the problem I don't know what ratio I did right um, and it was incredible so my adv advice is write down the temperatures the timing and then if you're doing blends write down the ratio between the blends is it 5-5 is it 50-50 is it you know 3-2 whatever you're doing um, you write down and once you do the test tasting you'll, you'll know what, what you did so it is trial and error at the beginning at right did you notice that when you got this when you realized that this is what it was going to be and you want to do this when you got the equipment were you like was it able to be dialed in a little easier the fine details like when you had this this great roaster this part like where you can ding, 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 dial up the things you know what I mean good question so then when you really started like saying uh -huh. I'm going to put all my money into I'm going to get the best beans which you've uh -huh. been doing since forever but I'm saying like when someone decides like I'm going to go all in get the best equipment get the best beans get the best that and they can get rid of the stovetop drum uh -huh. or the doing it in the oven and you can really like adjust that dial and really like adjust the grinder on the espresso machine or whatnot, whatever you need to do, uh -huh. small things. Is it easier, would you say? Not easier, but like, because I guess that comes with experience as well, you know what I mean? I think so, I know what you're asking. You're basically trying to see if thousands of dollars in equipment made a difference. Sure, that's a different way to look at it. Go ahead, yeah. yeah. So would the, would the equipment make a roaster? So here, here, what's up? I had some great coffees uh, on a, that basic uh, stovetop drum. Uh, and a basic home $500 espresso machine. I had some incredible coffees that way. Uh, and I have obviously not good coffees. So what I'm trying to say is, yes, you can have great coffees without any of that, um, but you will not have consistency. And that's a problem. So when you have all this small setup, no really much investment in, in coffee when it comes to espresso machine, or uh, if you're roasting, definitely in roasting process, uh, if you have just basic stuff, it will be very inconsistent. So even though you write down some stuff, you cannot replicate really. Or even you might be thinking you're replicating, but something changed, the atmospheric, atmosphere changed, temperature, whatever, uh, and then your, your equipment changes. So yes, you can get great coffee without anything, but if you want to get serious, if you want uh, to be consistent, then yeah, you need you need thousands of dollars of equipment to, to get that. Once you dial in something, it will always be that good. Sure. For that, you need you need some investment. Okay, so I don't want a coffee shop, and you know, we've talked about this multiple times before. But I want a good espresso machine, uh -huh. or maybe when we're talking about, I don't want a drip for coffee. I want a pour. Pour. Uh -huh. um, you want to talk about that a little bit? What's sure. best? So like we're looking at coffee now because one one of the first things I asked when I came in here was talking about pour over. Uh -huh. you're, okay, so when you're grinding, you're like, if you need it for a drip, pour over, whatever. Uh -huh. it's like, oh, I really don't know, because I see, like I said, only other coffee person in Philadelphia that I just, like tuned into that really got me interested in like this side of things is uh, 1-900. Uh 
mm-hmm. they're talking about arrow presses, uh-huh. pour overs, drip, really well versed in coffee too, as I said when I was first coming here. Um, so what do you recommend for at home between all those? Or we can even go through if you want to talk about what's yeah, best or why. Yeah, we can go fast through. Sure. I would say I would make a, a different, uh, I would say I would make three different uh, types of brewing really. It's cold brew, it's totally different type of brew, it's espresso, totally different type of brewing. And then you have auto press, drip and, and uh, pour over, which you can really put in one, in one basket. Uh, and that will really determine what kind of coffee bean you really want. There, you know, even though Starbucks and other coffee shops might, might make you think that there is an espresso bean. Right. No, there is no espresso bean, there is no pour over bean, there is no drip bean. Every bean is a, just a coffee bean and you can put it anywhere. But certain brewing methods will uh, boost certain uh, types of flavors in a coffee. With that being said, you want coffee that will really flourish on that particular brewing method. For example, Ethiopia. Ethiopia is a very bright, acidic, floral, bright, uh, berry-like. So in espresso, that coffee will not perform its best because espresso really uh, draws the concentrate, very tough, bold notes. And this is obviously not a bold coffee. So you can definitely do espresso, many especially coffee will do it. But my personal, personal opinion is it performs best as a pour over. Uh, why is a pour over? Because the grind is coarse. So you don't get to extract the bold notes. You're only extracting the, those you know, fine notes, which makes sense for a bright, floral, berry-like coffee. Um, and you have a very high percentage of coffee to water ratio which means you're really putting that only that top you know flavoring in, in a cup uh, drip for example even though I put it in the same basket there's less uh, coffee to water ratio so there's more water than coffee um, so you, yeah you can do Ethiopia but for drip coffee I would do something like medium dark like I'm doing Brazil Magiana which is darker chocolatey nutty um, and that a little bit more diluted uh, work best for, for that particular uh, brewing method, in my opinion. Um, and then you have espresso, which is like I said, concentrate really. Uh, many people want to go dark on that, but I think the darker the roast is, and espresso being such a good in extracting, you're really extracting the roast roaster out of it, the roasting process, which is very... Uh, you're like doing it back. Yeah, like yeah, it's, the, it's, the wrong that dark, dark roast should not exist at all. Um, but, but there's a reason why it does exist quick story why if you have a very very bad coffee for example coffee green coffee that has no taste no flavor but you have a lot of it right and it's cheap like for example your Starbucks or you know Wawa or uh, Dunkin Donuts so you want to get the coffee because it's cheap but you want to use it so what you do you over roast it you go to a darker notes where you can make it consistent and make it all taste the same like charcoal and then you call it strong right you call it strong and then you need a bunch of sugar to get it drinkable and that's how you make it like your thing um, so dark roasts are all bad roasts um, but again for lighter roasts you need good coffee and that co- comes with the price I'm trying to take all this in wow uh, no that's fantastic um, so this, <laughs> we ran away from it for a second yeah well, what, did, what were you we, the, thing that, the thing that I wanted to say while you were saying that 
is do you want to uh, I see a lot of people do pour over oh uh, yeah the, the, for the Instagram pour-overs. yeah yeah they uh, do pour over uh, how are you pour-overs. supposed to do pour over when it's in the fun and when it's in the, yeah, in yeah. the glass uh, and it, that's so easy uh, um, you just follow a certain gu- guideline if you can grind your coffee then you have more control obviously um, let's assume that you grind your coffee if not you'll assuming buy a good quality coffee out of a coffee shop that will grind it for you why is that important? Because pre-ground coffee is mostly grinded for uh, drip, which is like a, a coarse uh, grind. And for pour over, you want a bit more coarser than for a drip. Um, and why all that matters? Well, if it's fine or coarse, that will impact how fast does water go through coffee. If it goes too slow, it obviously extracts more because it's in contact with uh, coffee longer. And you might get some notes that you don't want in a particular coffee. And we said the pour over is good for those smooth, bright coffees. Right. So you don't want too much extraction. So having a grinder or properly grinding, you can have a setup where you have, for example, in my case, 28 grams of coffee. Uh, and you do that for one cup, which is about 380 grams of water. That's a 12 ounce cup. And you want that extracted within three to four minutes. And there you go. That's all you need. So if you do all of this but it extracts within one minute and you did everything else right but obviously your grind setting is off because it's too coarse and means that water goes through very fast so you want to scale back you want to grind a bit finer so that's why it's good to have control with all the elements and you can hit that three to four minutes with that ratios and to get a good cup, cup so, so with the ratios for at home so for like a drip for a pour over for espresso is it important to know, like, like food scale wise, it, it what is. we're using? It is for, for consistency or for quality. For both. For both. for both. So, for example, I just said twenty-eight grams. I just mentioned that pour over has higher concentrated coffee, higher ratio of coffee to water. If you don't have a scale, if you don't measure, you might do a ratio that is better for drip than pour. Right. So you're not really using the benefits of a certain brewing method. So yeah, it's important to, to know what you're doing. Uh, for once to, to get get it right for the brewing method and second to be consistent for sure right and then when it comes to what's the right ratio there is no right ratio there's no like that magic number that's like perfect uh, the right ratio is the one that you like the most and that automatically means yeah you gotta have a scale sure you gotta something try once right. see if you want more you do more coffee and you can measure how, how much more you put it and uh, you can go from there alright let's flip the switch here now that we got, I had to address all the home brewers. That's one of my favorite things, waking up for work and I see everyone's like coffee process. Either it's a drip, it's a Keurig, it's a Chemex, it's a whatever, you uh-huh. know what I mean? And and the one I keep referring to is the AeroPress. I'm like, oh, all these different methods, you know what I mean? Um, what are you doing at home? Or is this your So, home? yeah, that's interesting. So, like I, you know, we said, I, um, I did different types of coffee before I opened the coffee shop. So obviously I did uh, pour over, I did espresso with a home espresso machine, and I did siphon siphon coffee. That's a new method. I don't know if you ever saw it personally. Uh, it's a very cool method because it extracts completely, um, and it gives a different uh, flavor, but it's very difficult to do, time consuming, you need equipment for that, and that's definitely commercially not viable. But I did those three methods, uh, and that was fun to do. Right now, it's totally different. 
um, being used to using you know the catalog right. espresso machines, right. uh, having these commercial you know machines that make things more consistent and easier in a way, getting used to that, it's very hard going home to my home espresso machine sure. that I started with, you know that, that thing that got me going, and using that, I I, I literally feel like you you know when you um you when you kind of handle the, the kids toys that look like a you know a kids pots or a kids you know uh, um, like a kitchen oh, oh, kitchen, kitchen uh, yeah. yeah but yeah. just in a small scale yeah. that's how it, right. it feels it's like I'm, I'm playing with a toy right so right now unfortunately I e- either do pour over home or I do my you know coffee here since I'm here any day anyway what coffee shop are you using in Philadelphia if mm-hmm. you're ever around uh, the city, if, ever, if you're ever around the city, do you stop anywhere? Or you like you can't. Or so can you? so I'll tell you before I opened my coffee shop, and for the time developing and then you know getting the the shop up and running, I don't have a problem you know saying that Ultimo was my favorite shop. Before my mine, of course, um, I think that they're doing the, the right thing. Uh, it was close to my place, and one of the roasts they really pay attention on their beans. Although the negative side. Of what they're doing, and I think that's a bad thing to do, they're changing their beans because coffee beans can be seasonal. Actually, they're all seasonal. Some seasons are shorter than the others, like only three months. So that means that after you, you run out of coffee bean, you cannot get it for the next you know months down the road. And then you have to change something and then you can you know impact your, your, your uh, coffee Taste. It's like an impact as much. It would impact it as much as like an elevation difference, right? From where you get the beans from. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. Not only that, the place that you have to change it with might be a different continent. Might sure. Definitely yeah. Be different. Right. Right. Different so soil. Different. It's so different. Right. For me, I it definitely taste a difference. So, for example, Ultimo when they opened the location that was near my my place, and that's on Twenty Eighth and Locust, they had amazing coffee for the first three months, and then something changed. And you were yeah. able to tell. I was Excellent. not. I was not able to tell, but I actually stopped craving, so I stopped going to to the location. So I, I kind of started doing just my because obviously even home I have my espresso machine, but I, I enjoyed catering to different places. Not only that I love different coffees, but I also did a proper research, so I wanted to know what other coffee shops are doing. And when they switched, I didn't have the need to go anymore there. So that's the problem with having you know seasonal coffees which I try to stay away from. So when I pick my bean, not only I'm looking for a high quality that I really like, but also where the season is very long, so you tend to have it whole year round. Right. So you can get be consistent. Uh, so yeah, Ultimo is very cool. I think they have the best coffees right now in, in Philly besides mine, obviously. Um, Elixir is fine. It's just okay. I, I would not call it great. But I think they're hippie right now in style. Right. The whole nice relaxing vibe. Yeah, the, the vibe is, I don't know, I call, I call it 80s vibe. Right. For me, I mean, the coffee shop is really so much 80s. Uh, yeah, I don't, like you, I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to trap you saying what's your best. I'm saying for no, like no, if no, anyone no. else is cruising around, they're like, ah, can't go to Suprema for some reason. Their uh-huh. ap- Apple thing, their Apple uh-huh. Pay isn't working right now uh-huh. or whatever. But, um, okay, we don't even have to talk about Philly. I want to get one more, one more thing. Favorite coffee you've ever had that's not yours? Uh, ever anywhere during travel yeah it was uh, I can't remember the coffee shop name but I remember it was in Columbus Ohio really and uh, I visited friends that uh, the idea was the morning of it was their job to get me to a best coffee shop they had so they got me to one 
where they have a roastery inside. And they thought, okay, that's probably gonna be the best in town. And uh, the coffee ended up being, eh, meh, just okay. And they were kind of bummed. They kind of felt embarrassed getting me to that coffee shop that I was really not happy with. So they did a second try to impress me. They got me to a different place that was actually ended, ended up being one of the best cops I ever had uh, in, in this country. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't even know the name of the Right, that's shop. how that goes, right? <laughs> but like, you don't write down. Right, that's sure. the thing. If you don't write down, you forget. Write things down. That's what everyone's successful or any business owner or anything. Write things down, right? It brings it to life and then you won't forget yeah, as yeah. well. The thing is, you, you get to understand that when it's too late. Uh, sure. I should have written down. Yeah, 15 years ago. To, yeah, right. So, but I know it's in Columbus, and I was confidently re- remembering, obviously. But I, obviously, when I travel, um, I do focus on coffee shops because so you are checking it out. Right? I'm, tra- yeah, I'm, I'm sure. purposely doing local research, uh, and it's very fun guessing what they have. So very often I'll get a even a latte, uh, not only espresso. So I would go back and ask what kind of bean they have. And I would guess before they tell me. And very often I can guess even the continent of the country of origin of that particular coffee. Uh, so I could say, oh, okay, you're definitely using Ethiopia right now or you're doing, you know, Colombia or whatever. Um, but it's interesting to see what other people are doing, uh, what co- coffees they, they like. And one of the ways I can compare my to, to theirs. With one funny thing is that going to uh, big places like Stumptown in New York, you know, those, you know, uh, very popular places. I found their coffee not to suck, at least, so their coffee won't suck. But I never felt like, oh wow, this is it. This is they are so popular because of great coffee. Right. No, most 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 of the times they're just okay coffee. I can I can deal with it. I can drink it. I enjoy it. But I would not call it a great. Same thing with Lacolom here in Philly, being one of the biggest roasters. Uh, not only in Philly, but uh, nation, uh, you know, nationwide. Nationwide, yeah. yeah. But I found their coffee to be just okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. Yeah, that's it. So I am um, not because it's mine, but because of the uh, idea that I have, the way I think, uh, and the way I work on coffee. I really find myself my, my coffee to be the best. Well, the way you dedicate yourself, it just yeah. reaps out of you. That's what one of the reasons why I don't know how many visits ago it's been when I was like, yo. We need to do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you're my first roaster on here, first coffee podcast. And uh, I don't know, it's just important for, because, you know, when like a restaurant opens up or a pizza shop opens up, they're always getting pressed instantly. Oh, new salad shops opening up down the block. You know what I mean? And coffee shops open, smaller businesses like that open. And I got to fight, got to fight, uh-huh. got to fight. I was like, yo, uh, anything I could do to get this, like, you're on well on the map and you're in the biggest part of the city you don't need my help but you know what I mean it's like just another platform to like I want someone to come to this podcast and then really understand like why Supreme is the best you mm-hmm. know what I mean and it just it like radiates out of you the studying the learning the trial and error the, the just ever the attention to detail I don't know it just comes out and that's why that's why I guess we all keep coming back because it is, it is the best and I've been quoted saying that it's the best everyone who comes here agrees probably that it's the best um, I think or not I don't know it's just fantastic and like the work that you put in is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast because I don't know just when you talk about one sentence about anything yes this is why because we do this and this and, I don't know this is very super scientific super consistent and uh, the highest quality you know what I mean I think that a lot of car shops um, start and, and talking about especially car shops start with the same passion like maybe I had 
um, and uh, and they grow and you know there's a reason why Stamtown or La Colombe have so many locations there's definitely a reason so at one point of time they had great coffee they, they were passionate as, as I was right now and then down the road opening you know their fifth seventh tenth fifteenth location they start dropping the ball and we talked about why it's a big incentive to cut uh, me being mindful of that and understanding and knowing about that issue I think I can avoid uh, making the same mistake purposely or uh, you know uh, accidentally. accidentally sure so um, you know I you you can come here and think it's, it's the best coffee in town uh, but knowing other people's problems even if this you know grows and becomes bigger uh, I'm mindful and I'll do everything not to change the quality of the coffee because it loses even though this becomes maybe a business in numbers in a bank account uh, but it loses the fun sure. it. so it's cool to grow and still being number one so that's I think something that I'll make a, a trademark good coffee quality coffee that's what we want to see. We want to see Supreme keep blowing up. And we're looking forward to uh, what this is going to become. Obviously, you know Alyssa loves this coffee. I wish she could be here, but she's actually still working. <laughs> but um, I don't know, man. This is this is uh, it was crazy to see open up during COVID. I remember walking in here. I'd be like, and you were telling me you're like, yeah, we just like opened up two weeks ago. I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy, right? And defying all odds. Um, I don't know. We're just super happy for you. We're like every time we every day when we're out of coffee, which we're rarely out of coffee. As you can see, we're in here all the time. Oh yeah, we gotta go Suprema, re-up coffee. We just think it's so cool what you're doing, you know what I mean? And uh, The way the know. thing started, it feels like a story. You know, when you think about how, um, you know, Apple started in a garage or whatever, there's a story how they all these started. Right. And you know, obviously my shop, I had to go through the shutdown, uh, the struggles, being the shop newly opened, not being qualified, being able to qualify for any of the uh, government assistance. Sure. So I had to go through all of this without any assistance whatsoever because we fell through the crack. It's a really story how things went through and kind of start growing up and growing. It almost feels like that, you know, 10 years down the road, we can go back to this podcast and maybe. You know, we are talking about one small location, and now there's like so now many. We're yeah, 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 yeah. Now we're in LA. Now we're in LA. Yeah, I hope so, man. I hope the best for you. Um, you want to plug all your stuff? We're just Suprema Coffee Roasters on Instagram. Go ahead, the website. Yeah. And so um, again, uh, Instagram is pretty dead right now because I'm just getting the people working on it. So by the end of September, uh, it's gonna be live uh, with a lot of more action. Uh, Suprema Coffee Roastery dot com is the website. Uh, Instagram Supremo Coffee Roastery same thing for Facebook um, and we're gonna have more action uh, in all these platforms uh, from you know giving people information to having you know small games where you can get a free drink you can get a free bag um, those big coffee bags uh, like burlap you know mm -hmm. those big yep. ones are very popular with people so we're gonna have giveaways of those as well so it's gonna be more interactive uh, questions where you know coffee beans come from some trivia questions so it's not gonna be only cool to follow the page to, to see what's up and you also you ship also you ship I so wanna, yeah I make so that on the websites yep. you can get a coffee uh, nationwide I'll ship all over the place and uh, so far I was lucky to, to have people all over the, the country even on the west coast in California ship out some coffee and people get to enjoy it amazing man yes. this is perfect you know, I appreciate you dealing with this one mic thing and then uh, staying uh, after after hours I don't even know the time it is now but I know it's getting dark out yeah um, we're out of here dude thank hey, you it's interesting for me it's uh, this thing is crazy 
you know, people asking me for interviews, wanting to partner up. So this is all new for me, and it's enjoyable process to be a part of. It's just the beginning. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a learning experience. It's, uh, it's crazy. Well, we're happy to have you in Philadelphia. Episode Absolutely. seven. This is in the books, yo. Appreciate right. you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you man.